Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and joining me as old friend of the show, Jimmy Price, the man behind AstrosFuture.com, the Astros Future podcast, and the biggest well of knowledge on the Astros farm system. Always good to see you, Jimmy. I appreciate you having me on, man. It's been, been a little while. Yeah, it's been a while. And uh, let's start with the one arm in the system who's banging on the major league door as hard as he possibly can, Jimmy. What can you tell us about Hunter Brown and his progress that you've seen this season? You know, he, he's been awesome. I think what you've wanted to see is him be able to extend uh, the ability to go later into games, be able to maintain that velocity later in the games, and, the, you know, the ability to kind of get away, away from some of those walks, which are some of the issues that maybe hurt him a little bit last year. He's done all that. We've seen him go seven innings. We've seen him have – a seven inning outing where he hasn't walked a single guy. He's had a lot of innings where he hasn't walked any strikeout numbers are great. Velocity is, you know, I think he's touched, uh, he's been in the 99s uh, sitting like 96 to 98. I mean, he's throwing like 94, 95 mile an hour sliders. So a uh, phenomenal season for him so far. And yeah, I mean, he's done pretty much everything you'd want to see from a top pitching prospect. Uh, the only problem is the Astros are, you know, as we all know, have a, a pretty decent uh, group of starters right now. That's probably the only reason Hunter Brown's not up. Yeah, it's a good problem to have, but could he get a September call-up and beat out, and the only two guys I can see him beating out for a postseason roster spot, Phil Maton, I know he's not an Astros Twitter favorite right now, and Jake Odorizzi, who's never been a Astros Twitter favorite for a potential mid-relief spot on a postseason roster. Does he have the talent to do it? I definitely think so. Would, would the Astros go that route? I think that's the that's the hard question. They go with a veteran like Odorizzi or Maton, who, you know, despite some of the issues he had last year, he's one of our best pitchers in the bull, in the bullpen last year in the postseason, and especially in the World Series, didn't allow an earned run. Um, I would love to see him in that spot. I don't know, maybe if he ended up making it over somebody else, maybe, you know, maybe over an Abreu or something. I'm not really sure, but uh, I don't know. I feel like Maton and, and is probably a lot just based on what he did last year, unless the rest of the season goes really poorly for him. Based on what he did last year, I feel like they, they probably have him on the postseason roster. Um, and I mean, I do think he can come up and, and give you some really good quality innings, either in the pen or or in uh, as a starter. Um, ultimately, it's just trying to find that that spot for him now. Yeah, we talked about it on my last podcast, the fact that you know, if there's a, 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 a real threat to Maton, it's, you know, maybe they go out and they get a a really good lefty out of the bullpen because they really need one with Blake Taylor, you know, not really working out much this year with injuries and other stuff. So, I mean, that, that's the, that's to me, the real threat for maybe a maiden or Ozerizzi to make the postseason roster. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's probably one, one spot we may see them try to target at the trade deadline, try to get that other lefty, a couple of lefties that they were kind of hoping on, you know, Blake Taylor, Parker Mashinsky has been down in triple A rehabbing, I think. And it, and, you know, it hasn't gone great. So right now there's there's really not that lockdown lefty reliever. And I know they like to use Mayton against lefties. But, um, yeah, that's a good point. I could see them going for a, uh, you know, maybe a, a higher leverage lefty reliever. Just a reminder real quick for everybody watching this or if you're listening to the podcast as well, make sure to subscribe to us on the YouTube channel uh, and, and comment as well. would love to hear what you guys have to say about the show. We, we've had a taste, Jimmy, of Corey Lee at catcher here for a couple of weeks. Meanwhile, Jonner Diaz, and I hope I'm saying that right, is behind him in Sugarland. I I learned from you how to say his name correctly, <laughs> and and I'll tell you what I've heard, and then I'll tell you, or I guess I'll let you tell me if I'm right or wrong, and what you see as the future of those two guys. Now it sounds like Corey is the better defensive catcher offensively. His minor league numbers nothing special. Meanwhile, Diaz 851 career OPS, almost identical numbers this year. 
What's also interesting is Diaz has played first base and corner outfield as well as catcher. So I'm wondering, is it possible that both Lee and Diaz could be on the roster next year with Maldonado because of Diaz's positional versatility? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a possibility. I think the Astros are grooming him to be a guy who can play a little bit, a little bit of catcher, a little bit of first base, and then if they need a they need a guy in left field, we've seen him play in left and right a little bit. Uh, but maybe that first base position to take over when Gurriel's done. I know we got Matajevic as well, but uh, I could see a, a scenario where both of them are on the roster. And, and yeah, you're right. You know, Lee's more of the, the uh, defensive guy. Uh, Jainer Diaz is more of the offensive guy. He's got a great track record. Makes contact. Hits the ball hard. Uh, seems like a guy who's going to have success at the major league level. Honestly, his offensive profile kind of reminds me of Gurriel. And I know that's a lofty comparison, but in terms of the, uh, the the high contact rate, the opposite field approach, which we see Gurriel have a lot, um, and then and then you know the power, and not like a forty home run guy, but a, you know maybe a guy who's in that twenty to thirty home run type range. With all due respect, and, and fingers crossed here, we've probably seen the last of Jason Castro. I'm ho- I'm hoping because I, I think Corey Lee is is ready to go. At least as a you don't need him to do anything in the postseason except come in occasionally in, in an emergency. Yeah, I, I was talking with a, a friend of mine about that actually. And yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I. I I think Lee obviously is a better hitter at this point in his career. I mean, you know, Castro's had success before, but this season has been rough. And then Lee's a, a good defensive catcher as well. And uh, he's getting valuable innings right now, you know, getting to catch some of these guys. And that'll be important for the postseason. So, yeah, if it was, if it was me, for sure, I would uh, I would be having Lee as the backup catcher. And I don't know what they end up doing with Castro releasing him or, or whatever. But I think Lee is ready to at least take that role and, and then, you know, give you a little bit uh, – give you a little bit off the bench and give Maldonado a rest, be able to actually provide some offense. Cause you know, that was one of the main issues with Castro this year. He was just really, really poor offensively. Do you think the Astros are high enough on either Lee or Diaz or trust them enough where they'd feel confident to use the other guy as a trade piece? So like to, you're saying to like use one of Lee or Diaz as a trade piece, right? Yeah, I think, well, it's tough. Cause of what we just talked about, you know, I think Lee has that defense that they, the Astros would probably seek at that, catcher position or Diaz has more of the bat um it's hard to say uh, it, if the if the per, you know the right player is there that they want to go target you know maybe it, whether it be an outfielder or whatever I, I don't think anyone's off limits except for maybe maybe a Hunter Brown just because of what he's done uh, but it's also hard when you look at the Astros current roster and you know in two years I mean maybe a year but two years from now Maldonado and Castro are not going to be here so you've got to have some form of plan and if the plan is just to get a veteran every year I guess you could do that but um it's hard to say which one they value more, I guess, uh, because they because they bring different things. But uh, to say one's untouchable, I don't I don't know I would, I, I, if I would say that. I do think that you know one could be moved if it was the right deal. But ultimately, I do think they they kind of have plans for Lee with what you're seeing this year and and uh, what we'll end up seeing next year as well. Prior to the season, I thought Pedro Leon could be in the mix for the left field position next year if Michael Brantley wasn't re-signed. Michael Brantley, obviously getting older and older his average in the minors Pedro Leon has consistently been in the low 200s though although his OPS is over 800 as we speak that means he's living on walks and home runs Jimmy which could be an issue on the next level because Sugarland's an offensive league and AAA pitchers don't have major league control yet what do you make of his offensive I, I don't know if he struggles but you know the, the low 200s is an average for him yeah, it's it's um it's an interesting profile because he has that power speed. I think he's up to thirty stolen bases now in the year. He's got you know twenty doubles, eleven homers. Like you mentioned, he's got that APS OPS over eight hundred. Um, but it, you know he's striking out quite a bit. 
uh, the batting average is low. And some of that could be, you know, just poor luck, you know, bad batting average on balls in play or something like that. Um, he hits the ball hard. We've seen, we've seen some of the highlight. I mean, he's got high exit velocity really it just comes down to making more contact, but you know, he's still only 24 years old, second full season since, uh, I think the last time he played in Cuba, you know, prior to last year was like eight, 2018, 2019. So um, still getting comfortable, I think, at the minor league level a little bit. You can see that upside there. No need to rush him. I agree with you. I thought he was going to be a player, you know, potentially in the outfield this year, but definitely next year. Um, so you're seeing some of the good stuff. You know, you're seeing the speed. You're seeing some of the power. Ultimately, it's going to be about cutting down on those strikeouts, make a little bit more contact. But um, I think he still provides enough with the bat to, to you know, potentially be an, an outfitter at the next level. We've seen guys succeed with, with high strikeout numbers. Obviously, don't want them to get too big of a uh, too big of an issue. But if you can provide good defense, uh, provide a little bit of pop, you know, there, there's a there's a spot for you on the roster. Do you believe Matijevic is good enough as an offensive and a defensive player to be the future at first base if Father Time has officially defeated Julie this season? Yeah, I, I do. I think he's got. I think he's got the bat for it. I think he's got the uh, the opposite field power the Astros would probably value in, in Minute Maid Park. We've seen it a little bit already. Um, strikeouts are going to be an issue for him as well. But I think if you go back and you look, he's been a guy that's taken a little while to adjust. We saw it in double A. We saw it in triple A from what he did last year to this year. Um, and it may just be about him getting comfortable and getting that, uh, getting that opportunity to, to get some consistent at bats and, and, uh, and show what he can do. But, um, I think he's got the profile that fits the first base. I think he's a good enough athlete. You know, I think he was a second baseman and an outfielder in college. So it's not like he was a guy that was only played first base because he wasn't a very good athlete. Um, so I, I definitely think he can he can hold down that first base position, but he's got a guy like Jiner Diaz, you know, right behind him, and I think those will probably be the two in-house competition guys if Guriel is is done, you know, within the next uh, either this year, next year, or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, but he's got what the Astros love these days: positional versatility, the magic phrase, huh? for sure. Oh yeah, no versatility is big. We, when I was uh, prior to Sugarland's uh, season, we talked with Mickey Story down in AAA, and uh, he talked about that versatility, you know, and I talked with. Uh, a couple guys when I went out to Fayetteville and they, they kind of echo, echoed the same thing, you know, your position that you come into the system in doesn't mean that's the position you're going to debut in, but the position you debut in doesn't mean that's the position you're going to be the rest of the time. You know, the Astros value that, that if you can come up and, and give some, um, you know, help the Astros in the outfield, but ultimately you're going to be first baseman and that's all right. You know, they want that versatility. They want guys that can play all around because that's how you're going to end up breaking a roster, making a roster spot. Um, and then when the time comes, you, you'll be you'll be ready. You'll have some movie time, and you can take over at a certain position. So you see it all through the minors. They got guys playing all over, and I think it's just to build that versatility. That way, there is no there is no roster crunch of this is our only guy that can play shortstop. We have multiple guys that can do it, or whatever the position is. All right, the biggest tease in the Astros system. We got to talk about him. Forrest Whitley left a game a few days ago with shoulder inflammation. They're saying he'll only be out seven to ten days, but Whitley in his seventh season. Still only 24 years old, but he's only mm -hmm. pitched 208 innings over the course of the seven seasons. Have you given up on him, Jimmy? I, I haven't. You know, I, I've talked with Forrest quite a bit. Um, and, man, I feel really bad for him. I know he worked hard to get back, you know, and he, he had obviously a lot of bumps in the road, pitched in Fayetteville, things went great, went out for his first start in AAA. I'm sure there were some nerves there a little bit. Um, if you talk to, you know, my buddy, Kenny, he was there. Some of the, some of the numbers don't, they didn't look as pretty as they actually were. Uh, there was a couple of plays that probably should have made on, uh, been made on defense that weren't, but he came into that next start, had a, had a clean first inning. I think he struck out a guy in the second inning and the next thing, you know, he had that inflammation and, um, the, the velocity, everything came back. You know, the velocity was there. He was throwing 96, 97. Uh, the pitches were what he wanted to see, what the Astros wanted to see. And now it's just about staying healthy. And you mentioned he's 24 years old. We've seen plenty of guys. 
I think Jacob DeGrom didn't debut until he was 25, and his first full season as a starting pitcher was like 26 to 27. We saw it with Colin McHugh, a guy who debuted a lot later in his career. So I don't know if that's the route he'll end up going, but ultimately it's about it's about being healthy and getting some some more consistent innings under his belt. Uh, prior to this little issue that he had, I mean, I felt like he was a guy that maybe could help the Astros in the pin this year if he went into AAA and had a few good months. You know, he's already on the 40-man roster. Um, but, uh, but, no, I haven't given up on him yet. Um, at this point, what what's there to lose? You know, you might as well be patient with them, see what you got. I mean, you're not – it's not like the Astros are going to be able to trade him and, and bring in some top player or something like that. So just be patient, see what Forrest Willie can do, and, and maybe you'll end up finding gold. Yeah, hope he doesn't take as long as Mark Appel. That's all I'm saying. Do <laughs> <laughs> that. Can you give me a position player and a pitcher maybe that you've, you know, we, we haven't talked about that you really believe in after seeing what they've done this year? Well, the first one that pops to mind is Logan Cerny. And the reason that one does is because his, uh, his offensive profile is pretty close to Pedro Leone. I'm sitting for a little bit more average, but they had, the Astros acquired him in that Garrett Stubbs trade last year. He's a 10th round pick out of Troy, but he's had a really good season. I think he's up to, 28, 29 stolen bases, got 14 home runs. Same type of, uh, like I said, same type of profile. The all, the strikeouts are there, but he's got some big pop, really good speed, uh, very good outfielder, OPS above 800. Uh, so he's putting putting together a real a really good season. Another guy I'll mention he homered tonight, Justin Dearden. He's an outfielder for the Hooks, a little bit older. He was signed as an undrafted free agent. Uh, the COVID draft kind of kind of screwed him a little bit. It was five rounds. He probably was going to get drafted. He was pretty humble about it when I asked him. He said, eh, maybe towards the end of the draft. But um, he was probably going to get drafted. He ended up signing as an undrafted free agent. Had a pretty good year last year. I think he had an OPS above 900. He's in, been in A this year, and his OPS, I believe, is above 900 again this year. Uh, just homered again. He's 14 home runs on the season. So that's another another good bat, really good athlete for uh, for his size. He can play all over the outfield. For pitching, Spencer Aragetti is a guy that I really like. I believe in his stuff. He's had some struggles this year with some of the walks. He pitches in Asheville, which is an insanely friendly hitter park. I mean, I think it's like 296 down to right field and maybe 305 to left. It's got like a, a decent-sized wall, but it's it's uh, it's up on a mountain. The ball, the ball just flies out there. Um, that's a guy I, I really like a lot. Um, and if I had to throw another one out there, I guess I'll go with someone who's been who's been pitching really well, Jaime Melendez. He, you know, he kind of flew on the radar last year, 19 years old, made it up to double-A with some insane strikeout numbers start of the season double a this year he's 20 years old and the, he struggled a little bit out of the gate but i think over the last maybe four or five outings he's had, he's got an era under two the strikeout numbers have been insane i think i'm looking at it now for the year he's got 84 and 61 innings um and over the last like i said month and a half it's been really good he's 20 years old he's he's a smaller guy he's like listed at like five eight one ninety but we've seen it over and over it doesn't matter what size you are especially nowadays pitching you know if you can if you can do what the team wants you to do with the vertical approach angle, or you got the stuff, the spin rates, all that, you can pitch. And um, he's a guy that I'm pretty excited about. And it's kind of really starting to put it together here in, in the middle of the season. Astros fans, I know, will probably be curious about the progression of Billy Wagner's son, Will Wagner. How is he looking these days? Yeah, he did really well in high A. He was hitting the ball well, walk numbers, strikeout numbers are pretty good. Uh, if you go look at his double A numbers, you're probably going to be like, oh, man, they're not they're not great. And, and he's actually hit a little bit better recently. I think he's up to like 220 in double A. But I talked to him when I went down to Corpus and, and part of the issue was he was hitting the crap out of the ball. And it just it wasn't it wasn't falling. When I was there, he struck two balls really well to left, like right at the fielder and um, kind of cool. I, I you know, when I asked I asked him about that and he said that he talks to Billy, you know, obviously this ball they talk all the time. But after he had a rough game, he called him. They talked for about 30 minutes after the game, just about baseball. And he's telling him. Hey, if you're hitting the ball hard, it's all you can do. You know, eventually it's going to drop. So um, I think he's got a bat that can end up playing. He's played second base, third base, but 
uh, you know, give him a little bit of time. He same thing, you know, he had a little bit of time in, in his junior season at Liberty, uh, had hoped to get drafted, got injured. And then the game he was supposed to come back is when they canceled the season, went back for a senior season. So 23 years old in double A right now, but, uh, you know, still getting his feet wet, but the numbers have started to improve in double A over the last, uh, probably two, two or three weeks. Yeah. At second base. And that's a position I was thinking about in the last year or so, maybe the Astros, that's one that they need to develop because, you know, Altuve still looks like Altuve, but he's got a couple more years on his contract. And, you know, I don't, I don't see the Astros paying him a lot of money going into his mid thirties. So that's a position. It seems like that they would, you know, they would need down the road. Yeah. And maybe you got a guy like Emmanuel Valdez, who's, who's had a great season. I think everybody knows what he's been doing, hitting you know, well above 300 leads the system in home runs, RBIs. And he's a second baseman, uh, a guy like David Hensley, who's a, a tall, Utility infielders played all over the all over the place. He can play second. Will Wagner as well. So there's guys down there, and, and just like we're talking about, you know, they may play they play shortstop their entire minor league career, and then they debut at a different position in the majors. As long as they've played a little bit of it, they they know the ins and outs. And we saw that with Bregman. You know, he Bregman was a shortstop for the majority of the time in the minors. Played a little bit of third base, and then bam, the Astros called him up, and he was our third baseman for the future. Are you starting to see any bad effect on the Astros farm system on the middle or lower levels from losing those high draft picks in the, in, in, in the recent seasons? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you lose out on four over the last two years, right? The first, second round picks, you lose out on four, what, what should be high quality talent. I mean, they're first and second round picks. And um, I think that, you know, that in itself kind of affects the system, right? You don't have the, 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 you don't have the high, high names that everybody knows the first round picks that people know. But I think what it also does is the Astros, at least, you know, under Jeff Luna, we're really good at getting signing their first round pick for less money than the slot value and then using that money to sound somebody, uh, a high schooler in the fifth or sixth round for above slot. And we saw that pretty much every year. I mean, obviously, they really killed it in the, the 2012 draft with Correa, and then they signed McCullough for over, uh, over slot. But I think that's what you lose. You lose that slot money, too, when you don't have those picks. So the Astros don't have the flexibility to, you know, pay a guy. Three million, even though the slot value is four, and, and use that extra million somewhere else and get a, a better talent later in the draft. They haven't had that flexibility, so super excited for the draft this year coming up on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I definitely think you're starting to see that. And and now the Astros are at a spot where if they wanted to make a trade, they have they have guys that can trade. You know, we talk about Hunter Brown or some of the guys Corey Lee they just called up, Johnny Diaz. But you make a trade, and you trade those guys, and you really gut the system. You know, you don't have those first, second round picks to move. And, and Jeff Luno is great at moving those picks. I mean, I did an article on it. And you go look. I think. He, he traded like 11 first round picks and, and a, a, maybe another or seven first round picks, four second round picks. But that's the way he acquired talent was using those high picks that he had. Uh, and the Astros, unfortunately, just haven't had that over the last couple of years. But we're back with the, the you know, full full draft this year and uh, pretty excited to add some more talent to the system. Speaking of Luno, it's interesting you brought that up because I was just thinking, is there any philosophical differences that you've seen between Luno and Click and how they're sort of I guess, constructing the minor leagues or, or just how things are different? Um, I think it's pretty similar. I think we've probably seen maybe a little bit more versatility under under James Click um, with, uh, you know, they're still doing the piggyback thing where a starter will start one time, maybe come in the fourth or fifth inning on the next one. Uh, so you're still kind of seeing that. I think it's really going to come down to the draft. Last year, there was promotions like crazy. You know, guys were performing after three, four weeks at a level, they were getting promoted. And I think that was just due to not having a season in 2020. This year has been a lot slower. Um, so get, I think, you know, get this draft in add another talent, a pool of, you know, somewhere in the range of, of 20 players to the system, get some promotions. And I think starting next year, I really get to see what clicks vision is for the, for the minor league system. Cause yeah, at this point, 
he's had uh, most of the guys he's drafted. I mean, he had a five-round draft in 2020, did he had last year's draft. So a lot of the the top guys in the system were still from the the previous uh, previous management. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of uh, philosophical differences between the two. I think they both value the, the development, and you know, a lot of the coaches are, are the same that are around uh, that were around you know, three years ago that are around now. So um, ultimately, you know, they're both. I definitely think they both have a, a good eye in, in building a system and drafting, and hopefully we'll be able to see it this year. You might want to tell people about this because I, I don't know if everybody's aware of this. D- didn't the compensatory uh, draft picks change with the free agents? Like we've seen the Astros lose Cole and Springer and Correa. That's changed, hasn't it, over the last couple of seasons, right? In terms of like what kind of picks we're getting? Yes, so we got a pick for Correa, but it's after the second round, and it's like the last uh, compensatory pick. And, you know, despite him maybe being the best free agent, I think what it really came down to was the value of the contract, just kind of like you see in NFL where it doesn't really matter who the player is. It's the value of the contract. He signed the two-year deal with a one-year option or whatever, just not as valuable as what the you know, what the Dodgers is going to get for losing Corey Seager. Um, so, yeah, the, the picks have gone down a little bit. The Astros do have three picks in the top 80. So we'll get that uh, that pick, which is essentially like a third round pick for Carlos Correa. Um, but yeah, I mean, like for Cole, we got that second round pick that turned into Alex Santos, and um, then we got some for Springer as well. I'm trying to remember was Lance McCullers at one point a, a compensatory pick? He or? was. He was a yeah. He was a comp pick in the first round in 2012. I, I I don't remember who it was for. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, you working on anything interesting at Astros Future? And I got to mention your partner, Kenny Van Dorn, who you're doing the, the podcast with. I'm a zoo guy, so I love that. Uh, <laughs> tell me about what's going on. Right now, it's just, just kind of uh, kind of getting into, you know, we're, we're, we're the top 30. Whenever we get this draft done, the Astros start signing. They start assigning players out. Then we'll, I'm going to redo the top 30 uh, system. I mean, I got it updated right now, but I'm waiting to add those, that, that fresh talent in there. Um, but just doing, you know, talking to players, putting articles out there. I uh, just did one on Jainer Diaz. I put a little mock draft up this last week, too, just to throw some names out there. I'd like to see, you know, maybe in an Astros uniform. But, yeah, me and Kenny just doing the pod. You know, he does a he does a great job, uh, works super hard, super dedicated. So great guy to have on the show with me, you know. But uh, on the site, yeah, it's just uh, player interviews, uh, you know, and just talking to the players about how the season's going and kind of highlighting the best guys in the system and um, just doing that week by week. I didn't prep you for this, and I don't know if you have a story. So I'll, I'm going to tell you a story, and then if you've got one, uh, go ahead. But in 2004, you know, we're coming up on the All-Star game. It's the last time an All-Star game was in Houston. It was at Minute Maid. And a couple things. Uh, I went over there during the Home Run Derby. I was watching Berkman's balls coming over the train tracks outside the stadium. I wasn't in the stadium for it. I thought about going after a baseball, but... I would have been slaughtered like a bad UFC <laughs> opponent if I had jumped in that fray. It was it was dangerous to get in that, but I got a chance to go to the game. And to me, I don't remember anything about the game. The only thing I remember, and the only thing that mattered, is before the game, they brought out Muhammad Ali, and he was introduced to Minute Maid Park, and is one of my heroes. So that was my favorite thing about that 2004 All-Star game. Yeah, the, the only thing I really remember about it, yeah, is, is Lance, uh, or Lance Berkman in the the, uh, the home run derby. That was my favorite player growing up. So to see him doing that, and you know, it was, it was a surprise that he ended up hitting righty. And I think a lot of people knew that was his power side, even though he's a lot better, a lot better handed, uh, handed hitter. I used to grow up always thinking like, man, Lance, if you just hit lefty the entire time, even off of lefties, he'd probably do better than he did righty. But he did well in the home run derby. I think if if I remember right, I think he lost to Miguel Tejada. Didn't he win that that derby? I can't remember, but I was just looking at Berkman's numbers the other day, and Jimmy, everybody, 
I don't think anybody realizes it outside of Houston, but he is still top 20 in OPS in Major League Baseball history. No, he's 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 really good, and I think he's criminally underrated. He had less than 5% on his first year on the ballot, uh, which means he fell off the ballot uh, in one year. But, you know, for a switch here, the numbers he put up, I think, I mean, you go, he never won an MVP, but go look how many like, top five MVP finishes he had, you know, and the home runs, the, the average, um, the walks. I mean, man, really freaking good hitter. And everyone, you know, it's funny, a lot of people ask those questions, like if you could choose one player to add to this team, you know, uh, what, this Astros team, who would it be, you know? That's a that's a guy I turned to. I mean, obviously, like a Bagwell would be cool too. But a guy I turned to, to a lot of times is Lance Burton, but just because he was so so good. And then you go look at his playoff numbers, man, and he killed it in the playoffs. Even in 04 and 05, when the Astros made it to the World Series in 05, and you know, we got swept by the White Sox. But go look at his numbers in the World Series. He was the one guy that was doing damage, um, really, that entire postseason against the Braves, against the Cardinals, and against the White Sox. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to live long enough to see it, but I get a feeling that with what I've seen from the major league baseball hall of fame voting committee, especially the seniors that Lance is going to get in down the road. There's no question in my mind about that. Yeah. I, th- I think he, I think he deserves it. If you, Really. You know, it depends on where you want to put the level. You want to put the bar extremely high and make it where it's, you know, only the elite, the best of the best. And you want to say he's not up there. Then eh, maybe you can make that argument. But if you look at some of the guys that are in, he's got better numbers than some of the guys that are in, you know, especially, um, like I said, offensively in a, in a you know, and, and man, it, the postseason numbers really stand out to me too. I mean, we've seen it with Springer and Altuve, but after growing up watching Bagwell and BGO, and, and unfortunately, I know they had um, it was a little bit different back then, but they they struggled in the playoffs, and then to get someone like Bertman, who was very clutch in the playoffs, put up those numbers. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him kind of kind of get that honor. Uh, I know he's coaching over at Houston Baptist right now, so uh, I'm sure he would appreciate it. I'm sure a lot of Houston fans would would love to see him get that honor and, and be a, a Hall of Fame inductee. Yeah, if Harold Baines can get in the Hall of Fame, come on, Lance Berkman should be in yeah, the Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, it's Astros Future is the uh, Twitter handle. It's AstrosFuture.com, Astros Future. The po- it's easy to find. Everybody should know <laughs> you by now, Jimmy. Uh, can't thank you enough for doing this. Always good to talk to you. No, I appreciate it, man. You know, I love talking minor league baseball, so uh, appreciate you having me on. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.